Moments of Encounter is a weekly live broadcast brought to you by Calvary We Revival Labors through God's servant Chidebele Odeze. The teachings are focused on building the church and raising men that will do exploits in this end time. You can connect live to Moments of Encounter every Tuesday by 6 p.m. West African time at www.mixlr.com forward slash Moments of Encounter. May you have a life-changing encounter as you listen. God bless you. He has taken us on a long journey on the Christian stewardship. And today we are handling the last topic on that particular theme. Will we once again say, Lord, we thank you for the, for the revelations of your word that you have unveiled, you have opened unto us in the course of this, you know, study of this theme, the Christian stewardship. So many aspects of it has been opened up. Can we say, Father, thank you, even today as we are about to look at the last lap of it. Father, we appreciate you for what you have revealed already, and that which you are yet to reveal even tonight. Ancient of days, we appreciate you, and we ask you to come to us again tonight as you are unveiling the stewardship of our environment. What a wisdom you have revealed and unveiled unto us. Father, we say, Did our exalted. May your name alone be magnified. I just think we should worship him again. I just think we should praise his name. Lift his name on high. Exalt him. Honor him tonight. He should be worshipped. He is worthy of our worship. Tonight he should be honored. He should be praised. He should be glorified. Let the 
Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you glory. Bless you. There's no cause for arguments. You are God all by yourself. You are God. You are God. From beginning to the end. There's no place for arguments. God, all by yourself, you are God, you are God, God. from beginning to the end, there's no place for Jesus Christ. Amen. Let the Holy Ghost minister to each and every one of us. Cause your word to fall on our heart, prepared to bear fruit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Welcome to Moment of Encounter. This evening, the Almighty God will surely visit us in a special way today in the name of Jesus Christ. We have been on a, another long journey on the Christian stewardship as a team. And we have looked at various aspects of that team. We have looked at understanding the Christian stewardship we have looked at the stewardship of our bodies. We have looked at the stewardship of our time. We have looked at the stewardship of our gifts. We have also looked at the stewardship of our finances and the stewardship of our relationship both with God and with man. And today we are going to be looking at the last topic in that theme, the stewardship of our environment. Amen. Now, our environment is talking about where we live, where we work. You know, for those of us that are in business, where you do your business, these are the environments, the territory that, you know, you are occupying 
we need to look at, you know, what is God saying about, you know, that place where you are living, that place where you are working. We are going to start our journey from uh, the book of Genesis. We remember that when God created man, he said, let us make man in our own image that he will have dominion over the earth, over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And then when he finished um, creating man in verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1, he said that in Genesis chapter uh, 1 verse 26, then in verse 28, the Bible said, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiplied, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That's the purpose for creating man is for him to have dominion over every other thing that God has created, including the earth itself. So the Bible says he blessed them. He said unto them, dominate, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, subdue it, and then have dominion over everything. Now when he finished the practical of the creation of man, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And then in verse 8 he said, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. After the work of creation, the next work that God did on the earth is the work of, you know, an agriculturist planting a garden. After he finished creating man, he came and molded man out of the dust of the ground. Then when he finished that, immediately he began to do the work of agriculture. He began to plant a garden. And after he finished planting the garden, what did he do? He put the man whom he had formed in that garden. And then in verse 9, he said, Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for good food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. So he provided food for the man in the garden. And then in verse 10, he provided water. He he made a river to begin to flow in that garden so that man will have both food and drink, you know, for his sustenance. And then he summarized the whole thing in verse 15 and then verse 16. He said, and the Lord God took the man and put him 
into the garden of Eden to dress, to dress it and to keep it. And then the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So, we can see from this that the garden of Eden that God planted and placed man inside is actually a gift that God has given to man. Eh? He gave Adam and his wife garden of Eden. They didn't struggle for it. The Bible says he planted the garden. And when he finished planting the garden, he put the man in the garden. In other words, and after, when he put the man, he said, you are free. This is your own. All the trees that are in the garden is for your food. Then when you need water to drink, there are rivers that are flowing. Clean water, you can drink them. So he gave Adam and his wife that environment called Garden of Eden as a gift. And he also gave them a work. Two kinds of work. He said, to dress it and to keep it. Dressing of the garden is a work of maintenance. Maintaining the garden, maybe to keep the garden clean, make sure that the garden is in order. That's a work. Then the keeping of the garden is a work of security. To keep the garden means to guard it. So that, you know, things that are not needed will not enter into that garden. Of course, one of the, the things that God wanted Adam and his wife to keep from entering into this garden is, you know, Satan and his um, spirits and agents, fallen angels that are already there in the world. You know, possibly the work of keeping the garden was not properly done. Maybe that is why the devil found his way into the garden through the serpent. But the point is that the environment was a gift. And you know, when we talk about stewardship, we talk about the gift that God has given to us, which he, you know, he made provision so that we will use them to fulfill his purpose for our life. When we are looking at you know, God giving himself, God giving us men last week and last two weeks, or giving us money, giving us, you know, our bodies, our time. These are gifts that God has given to us. He expects us to manage them well so that through them we will be able to fulfill his purpose for our life. The same thing, when he gave Adam the Garden of Eden, that environment is part of the gift that he has given to him to, uh, to him to enable him to fulfill the purpose of creating him on the earth. He has his work inside that garden, and he has his living place inside that garden. So that garden is the environment both for his living place and the environment for his workplace. So sometimes, you know, where we are living and where we are working is a gift. It's supposed to be a gift for us, especially those of us who are children of God, that God has given to us for the fulfillment of his purpose for our life. And we are expected to 
ensure that we are good managers, good stewards of that gift of God. Now, I want us to look at that in two dimensions because when we talk about our environment, you know, or at the territory, the location where we are, uh, where God has, you know, positioned us to live and to work, you know, you see them physical. But the truth is that there is a spiritual aspect of every physical environment. There is a spiritual part. Every environment is divided into two. The spiritual part and the physical part. The physical part is the one we can see, we can touch. The people around us, the things around us where we are living, in the place of work, the buildings, the trees, the human beings that we interact with. These are the physical parts. They are visible. The, the physical part is visible. You can see it. You can touch it. But the spiritual part is invisible. We cannot see it. Yet, the things that happens in the physical environment, the truth is that they are determined and controlled by the things that happen in the spiritual part of the environment. God wants us to be in charge. He wants us to be, you know, people that are keeping, being, you know, people that are guarding our environment, both the physical and the spiritual, so that his kingdom, which we are representing, will come, will be established in our environment. That's actually the purpose of, the, the purpose of, um, environmental stewardship or you know territorial stewardship it is to establish the kingdom of our god on the environment where we are living especially on the human beings that are living with us or working with us in that environment i repeat the reason the purpose the need for us to be good stewards of our environment, our territory, the location where God has located us, is so that through us living in that place, that the kingdom of our God, the government of the Lord Jesus Christ will be established in the environment, especially in the life of human beings that are dwelling with us, or that are working with us in that environment. That their mindset will be... Con- you know, when you talk about the physical environment, as we have said, there are, we need to understand that as you have, you know, in every environment you have rulers, human leaders. Everywhere you see human beings, there is always a need for leadership. And sometimes, even if there is no leader, the people will gather and say, we need a leader and they will elect or appoint one. So every physical environment has a leader. In the place of uh, business in the market, you notice that everybody came to market to sell something. But you see the people that are in the same line, they will gather together and they say, we want to have a leader. 
in this line. Somebody to be our leader in this line. So sometimes you see there a, a market will have a, a, a leader of the market, the chairman of the association of the market. Then you come to a, a, a community or a street or a yard that will be a caretaker. You come to a, a, a place, there's a maybe a town. So you see kings, you know, chiefs. These are people that are community leaders. And then you also find people that are local government chairmen and then, you know, people that are governors of states and, you know, presidents of countries. These are what we find out on the physical. Now, I want us to note that in the spiritual, the devil also have the same leadership structure, government structure. There is government of Satan that is also established in the same way. If you have a street, if you have a community, there, are, there is what we call principalities. There is what we call powers. You know, in the local government, there are principalities that are responsible, you know, as principality in charge of a local government area. There are principalities in charge of a state. That's how, as you see it, whatever you see in the physical, however you see it in the physical, that's how you see it in the spirit realm of the devil. Now, but we are not here to analyze the government of Satan. It does not really concern us much because we are here to, you know, destabilize them. We are here to, you know, chase them away and establish the government of our own God. That's why God sent us. Are you getting it? Now, but the truth is that if we are not responsible in the spiritual realm, you will notice that these negative powers, negative principalities, they are the one in charge of influencing the mindset of the people they, to determine what the culture of the people will be. And that is what you know, determines also the peculiarity of particular environments. There are some particular environments, you notice that the youths there, especially the boys, they are, all of them tends towards immorality. All of them tends towards alcoholism. All of them tends towards smoking, masquerading, and all of that. These are principalities that are in the spiritual realm that are controlling the mindset and the activities of the people in that particular environment or territory. So we are expected, God is expecting us, having placed us you know, in our own environment, he expects us to rise up. He doesn't expect that while we are dwelling in a particular environment, that whatever that is ruling that environment should continue. There are some you know, actions, there are things he expects us to do to establish his own rulership, his own government, to begin to influence the thinking pattern, the mindset of the people in the particular environment so that his kingdom will actually come in their life and his will be done in their life. Are you getting that? So that's what we are looking at. How do we become stewards, good stewards, faithful stewards of the territory, the environment that God has placed us into? Whether in the place where you are living or in the place where you are working. On the general note, you know, from time to time we move about. Eh? You may live where you are, between where you are living and where you are working. If where you are living is not the same place where you are working, like Adam. Adam is living in Garden of Eden and is working there. If you are not, your, your own is not like that. There are people, their own is like that. Like some people that have staff quarters 
in the place where they are working. They have the same environment for work and for living. But for some of us that you have to move from where you are living to where you are working, you will pass through territories, you will pass through environments. Sometimes you find yourself in a territory where you are not living and you are not working. You may need to pass over a night. Sometimes if you are not conscious of the fact that you are in a different territory, in a different environment, sometimes you can be manipulated by the things that are around that environment. So these are spiritual realities that if we are not careful of them, we wonder why things are not going the way we want. We wonder why we want to move forward spiritually. Sometimes we want to move forward physically. Sometimes we want to move forward financially. But there are powers. There are things that are in the spiritual realm controlling things. I remember, you know, being in a particular environment. And, you know, I, I just got to know that the spirit of sexual immorality is ruling this environment. In fact, in such kind of environment, if you are not careful, you may see yourself being manipulated in the dream. You wonder why, you know, your dream is going like that. But if you are sensitive, if you understand that every environment has a spiritual part, many people, many, many believers are not aware. They just think that we are just living. You know, you just see people, you greet people. But the agents of darkness that are linked with the spirits, the powers, the principalities, they are all aware. They know that this particular environment, that's why sometimes a good number of them, they are very faithful enough to rise up in the night. I remember living in a particular environment some years ago. I noticed something. Every 12 o'clock in the midnight, there is this native doctor that is living, you know, nearby, he doesn't fail. Every 12 o'clock, he will begin to ring his um, gong. He will be ringing it always. Always. Sometimes, as you know, I am waking up, I'm looking at the time, it's 12 o'clock, and I am hearing his gong. So it's not just that he's ringing. He's also trying to know if he can manipulate your own environment to take over, to establish you know, uh, something in the atmosphere. Are you getting it? So God is expecting us to be in charge of the spiritual because everything I repeat you see in the physical they are controlled manipulated determined in the spirit nobody dies in the physical if that person has not been you know determined dead in the spiritual world that's why sometimes you may have a dream where somebody died what that dream is showing you or God is showing you in that dream is that in the spiritual realm in the spiritual world of that particular environment where that person is they have determined that this person will no longer live. They have established that this person should die. And by the time they finish that, they have done all they could and sealed it. Then, if God, out of mercy, doesn't want that person to die, he may come and reveal to somebody, maybe in another environment. But the point is that God expects us to be so much spiritually alert so that you can be in charge of what is going on in your environment. You must be aware. The way some of us sleep in the night, oh my God, the way you, you, this, this kingdom of darkness and the human agents, they don't rest. They know that if the children of God will rise up to take charge of the spiritual climate, the spiritual atmosphere, the spiritual territory, that they will not be able to operate anymore. Even their values in the heart of people, their, their culture, their mindset, the things they are manipulating people to do, will begin to weigh. That's why 
God expects us as stewards to rise up to take charge. In the place of work, where you are working, is a territory that God has given to you. You must see it as a territory. In the place where you are living, is a territory. Is an environment that he expects you to be a steward in charge, both spiritually and physically. So, as we are talking about stewardship of our environment, the truth is that, you know, physically, we may not have much to talk. Somebody may say, maybe physically you can keep your environment clean. That one is uh, general. If, if you don't do that, even the, the government will deal with you. That one is, that's not where we are concerning ourselves now. We are talking about the spiritual environment. The spiritual territories. Which God has located and kept you. If the powers of darkness, if the principalities that has been originally by Satan are located and given that environment are still free to operate without any disturbance in the day, in the night, to still do and establish what they are doing, you are an unfaithful steward of your environment. I want to define unfaithfulness in territorial stewardship once again. Unfaithfulness in territorial stewardship is when you are there as a kingdom ambassador, as a, an envoy of the kingdom of heaven, establish, you know, to establish the kingdom of God in that environment, to ensure that in the spirit realm, you are the one that determines what happened. Things that you know, happen in the spirit realm does not just happen without your knowledge. Witches and wizards, you know, occultic powers, forces of darkness, will not find it easy to operate anymore in that particular... You know, Satan is not omnipresent. Satan is not everywhere. What he does is to try to divide his numerous demons into places so that they will be monitoring and being in charge, just, just like what we have described. So, God expects that when you, a true child of God, arrives any environment, as long as you are living there, working there, powers of darkness should not be free to operate. You will be there to stop them, hinder them, quench their activities, and ensure that your God and the kingdom of your God is established. An example, very good example of this is Daniel in Babylon, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By their presence in that Babylon, we saw in the book of Daniel, the kind of things that happened Kings after kings, they will always come to bow to the God of Daniel. Because by the time, as long as Daniel is there with Chedrach and they are living, you know, the way they are supposed to live, you know, both praying, fasting, managing the environment in the spirit frame, you notice that everything that is happening will always come to their table. The kings that are ruling will always locate them because there is something that they are doing in the spiritual that is controlling the kings and the physical. When Nebuchadnezzar you know some of those things that happened to Nebuchadnezzar is not just physical. It's not just that uh, uh, something fell um, a voice came from heaven and say you are going to the uh, um, to be an animal for seven years. No. Those things that happened to Nebuchadnezzar they were as a result of prayers of Daniel. There is a result of the things that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are doing in the spirit realm that is controlling the throne of Babylon. So even when the sun came up 
and began to mess up with the holy vessels that were brought from the temple of Jerusalem, Daniel went inside again. And as he, he was, it was in the midst of heat of prayer that God has to come down. Listen, nothing happens on the earth without men's prayer. It is as we pray that heaven's re, heaven responds. So when heaven responded to Daniel's prayer, that hand came and wrote. The man was judged. That was the end of Belshazzar. And then Dairos came up. Dairos has to bow before the uh, God of Daniel. Even the people that rose up against Daniel, all of them, you know, they were dealt with. And when he finished, Cyrus came up. So, as long as he is there in that particular territory, environment, the God that he is representing must be glorified. The men must know about him and they must respect him. They must worship him. His, the ideology of and the principles of that kingdom must be enforced in that environment. Not with physical force, but by spiritual control. I get it. So there is a control in the spiritual that must affect the physical. That's why if you are not a spiritual man, you can't be a good steward in any of these things we are talking about. Because we need to control the physical environment from the spiritual. Amen. So let's quickly run through five things that we must uh, be faithful in doing in order to be faithful stewards of our environment. Five of them. Once we are through with them, we will pray and round up. Number one, you must ensure that you are divinely located in your own environment. We saw that it was God that put Adam and his wife in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says, and God planted the garden. And he put, you may need to look at that verse again. Verse 8 and verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2. Verse 8 says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man in whom he had formed. Then verse 15 he said, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden to dress it and to keep it. It was the Lord God that located Adam in the garden. If you are going to be a steward of your environment successfully, the first thing that you need to ensure is that you are located there by God. It is amazing that so many believers are careless about, you know, choosing or the choice of where to live and where to work. They thought that it is a game of luck or a game of physical choice, like unbelievers. For an unbeliever, he doesn't care. Once he notices that or he hears that uh, life is moving in so and so place, he will just want to go there and locate himself there. If he noticed that this particular business or this particular uh, place is recruiting for work, he doesn't care to know whether it is the will of God. He will just apply there and if it works, he will start working. 
you will just re- relocate immediately. It is amazing that many of us believers, we still have the same mindset. And that is why, you know, our environment, you cannot really take hold of it. You cannot really be in charge because where you are located, where you are living, it was not God that put you there. Where you are working, it was not God that put you there. If we are going to be good stewards of our environment, the first and foremost thing we are going to ensure is that you don't just pick up a job. You don't just, you just, you don't just pick up admission in a school or anywhere by your own personal choice. It must not be you that will choose the place where you are going to live. If you want to find a house, office, place of work, as a believer, you must pray. You must ask God to locate you. Acts 17.26, Paul was writing, uh, was talking to the Athenians in a preaching. He told them that, that God made the whole world by one, man, one man's blood. Acts 17, verse 26. He said, and had made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and had determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation. You understand that? He said, that God determines the time when everyone is going to live. And he determines the location that you are going to be located. The bounds of your habitation. So the truth is that for us, children of God, you know, we are not just going to be looking for a place to live, a place to work. Some time ago, when I was working in my former place of work, you know, they were talking about getting job in oil company where they pay so high as of then. And then one day when they were discussing, the colleagues we were there discussing, and I told them that even if I get job in one of these oil company, that I will still not go if it is not the will of God. Ah, many of them, they laugh. They say, ah, it's because you have not gotten. Eh? It's because you have not gotten. And that's the problem with many of us. In fact, at that stage, when somebody gets that kind of appointment, he doesn't even need to pray. He just concludes that this is God. Eh? He begin to thank God and prepare for thanksgiving. He just concludes that this is God. But we have seen believers, not once, not twice, in several locations, somebody just you know, feel that I have gotten something better. And on locating that place, you start struggling spiritually. You are working, you, know, you are getting money, but your spiritual life is being squeezed out. You have no peace. You have no rest in that place of work. You, you see yourself go. In fact, many, many believers have backslided that way. And that is an indication that you are the one that put yourself in that garden. If it is God that planted that garden and put you there, you are there to take charge. You are there to rule. You are there to dominate. But once you see yourself, you are struggling there. 
Once you see yourself as if your spiritual life is being squeezed out, you don't need to even continue. You just need to run out. Because if you remain there, you will, you will face, I mean, spiritually die and you become like every other unbeliever. It has happened to so many like that. They got money, but they lost their soul. The same thing with where to live. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. Some people, sometimes we are so careless that you may even say, eh, let me just leave this place for, for two months. Or let me just stay for three months. You must be careful enough to know where God wants you to live. I normally tell graduates that are graduating from the high institution that one of the greatest prayers you are going to pray in the year of your youth service is, Oh God, where is my location? That is the first, place, first thing to pray. Not even job. I say the first prayer to pray is location. Where do you want me to live? Because it is when you get your location right that you will see your allocation, allocation in life. It was in that garden that God brought wife to Adam. It was in that garden that Adam found food. It was in that garden that Adam found water. Every provision, every allocation that Adam needed for him to be able to move forward in life was in that location that God put him. So if it is not God that puts you in that garden where you are, you will see yourself being oppressed. You will see yourself suffering. You will see yourself struggling. Sometimes you see somebody say, ah, this person is doing this business in Lagos and is succeeding. Let me also go to Lagos. Now, it may be that God has located that person in Lagos, but he has not located you in Lagos. Maybe your own is in Abba. Instead of you to, you know, seek God and find out that it is in Abba that your own garden of Eden is located, you will leave that and you are running to another man's location. That's why you will not succeed. That's why you will not be able to, you know, rule and take charge for God and establish the kingdom of God there. In fact, in, 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 in almost all the cases, instead of you to win souls there, instead of you to, you know, do things that will advance the kingdom there, you see yourself struggling. Sometimes you may want to, you know, advance the kingdom. You go for evangelism. You do many things that we, you think that we advance the kingdom. At the end of the day, you, you are struggling yourself. Nothing is working. Because that place you are located is not God that put you in that garden. So many struggles, financial struggle will come up. Many, many things will come up. So that's the first thing that you must ensure. You must, if you are going to be a faithful steward of your territory, for God to establish and advance the kingdom in that territory, then you must ensure that it is God that located you there. Maybe I should also add that we don't need to use our mind to judge when God is locating us. Sometimes God will locate your place of work in your place of living. Sometimes he may locate your place of work very far away from where you are living. Sometimes it may be in the same city that you are working, that you will be living. Sometimes you may be working in a particular, uh, living in a particular city, and you will you be working in a different city, like myself. That determines, it, it's not you that determines, and sometimes if you follow human reasoning, you will not be able to, you will not be able to get your location. You see yourself struggling. So it's not something that you look at somebody and determine. I keep repeating it. This thing keeps coming up throughout this team, the Christian stewardship. 
being spiritual. You can never ever be faithful in any of the stewardship. Think about it. Stewardship of our time. Can you be faithful without following the leading of the spirit on how to use your time or gifts or finance? Everything is by the spirit. So anybody who is not spiritual, you don't hear the voice of God, you are not led by the spirit, you can never ever be able to be uh, a, a faithful steward of your environment. Amen. Number two, you must also understand, you must understand that you are a kingdom ambassador. You are a kingdom ambassador that is sent in that environment. And you must have a kingdom mindset. That is, you must know that I am in this particular environment to establish the kingdom of God, to rule for God. And everybody that is around me in this place of my living or in this place of my work, I must do something that will change their mindset, that will change them and make them, with time and in time, to become subjects of the kingdom of God that I am here to represent. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He said, Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Say, now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That understanding was done on you. Who is an ambassador? Eh? Someone that is representing, you know, let's say if you are ambassador of Nigeria to Ghana, you are there to represent the kingdom of Nigeria. You are there to establish the values of the kingdom of Nigeria in Ghana. So we are here as ambassadors. So, and the, particularly in the place where you are living, you must have that understanding. In the place where you're working, it must dawn on you that you are representing the kingdom. And you know one thing about ambassadors, they are sent. Ambassadors are sent. They, are, they don't go there on their own. Ambassadors can, nobody will ever go to, you can't, as you are now, you can't go to, let's say, Cameroon. And then you, you, when you get to Cameroon, they, they ask you, uh, who are you? You say, I am an ambassador of Nigeria to Cameroon. No. Before you are recognized and respected and, you know, you can do something as an ambassador of Nigeria to Cameroon, the president of the country where you are going must authorize you. He must give you an appointment and give you an appointment letter and give you everything that shows that he endorses your appointments as an ambassador so that when you get to that country, you will move straight to the government of that country and announce to them that I am an ambassador of this country 
And these are the, th- the evidence that shows that I am sent. So there's this authority. And that's why, you know, when you look at Jesus sending us, in Matthew 28, 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, do what? Go. So, he, he, you are going to a place to live or to walk. You are not going there on your own. You are sent. Adam was put in the garden. That's why this one is connecting to the first one. Because if God is one that puts you in that place of work, if God is one that sent you as a teacher in that school, eh, if he's one that put you there, he has sent you there with his authority. Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always. So when he sends you, he will be with you. And his presence with you is what will enable you to be able to rule on his behalf. Yet, that's not enough. As a kingdom-minded person, you must know that the reason why I am walking here, the reason why I'm living here, is to influence the men that are here towards the kingdom of God. By several ways. We are going to take that will be another point. But the first thing is that you must know that you are an ambassador and you must have a kingdom establishing mindset. You must be minded that I am here to play a role for my king who has sent me here as an ambassador. You know, Jesus was talking to the disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 30, 36. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It was showing them how they must live as kingdom representatives, kingdom ambassadors. He said, therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the meat than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into bands. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for remnant? Consider the lilies of the, of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither did they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clutch you, O ye of little faith? Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Or, Where we die shall we be clotted? Let's read verse 32 together. I want to go. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. 33 again together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So you see Jesus was talking to the disciples. He said, don't walk so that you will get what to eat. Because best of the air are not working and yet your heavenly father is feeding them. And you are more important to God than best of the air. If he can feed the best of the air without work, he can also feed you without work. That's what he was telling them. 
Lily of the valley are not working. And your heavenly father is clotting them. If he can clot inanimate thing that does not work, how much more of you that you are of more value than they? In other words, whether you are working or you are not working, that's not... The, the, going to work is not the reason for you to think that you will eat. No. He said, don't go to work without mindset. The problem we have about Christianity is that many, many Christians are still thinking like the world. Say, do not conform to the standard of this world. But be you transformed. By what? By changing the way you are thinking. Eh? If you don't have a kingdom mindset, kingdom advancement, establishment mindset over your territory, over your environment, over where you are living and where you are working, you will just be living like every other person. As a student living in the hostel, in the school environment, if you don't know that I am in this environment to establish the kingdom of God over everyone in this particular uh, hostel, in this particular school, you just be living, you are, you'll be a believer. All that you will know is you go to fellowship, you pray, you read Bible. Personally, you will not be making any effort to do what? To advance the kingdom. To make people to buy into the ideology and the mindset and the lifestyle of the kingdom that you represent. Because there must be a way of influencing your colleagues. There must be a way of influencing the people you are living around with. You know, so that they will understand that there is a different kingdom apart from the kingdom of this world and you are representing that kingdom. The values of that kingdom, the, the, the system of that kingdom, you must, by wisdom from above, impose them on your own environment. But there must be that kingdom mindset. So Jesus was trying to correct the wrong mindset that people have about working. You see somebody say, oh God, give me work. For what? You want to start working so that you start getting something to be eaten. Jesus said, even if you don't work, your heavenly father will feed you. So why will you go to work? You go to work so that you will advance the kingdom. Say, seek you the kingdom. All the nations of the Gentiles, they go into business so that they can make money and eat food, buy land and build house. No. You that is going into business, you are going there to advance the kingdom of God through that business. In the place of business, there are human beings there that will never go to church. It is you that will establish a church for them in that business line. And ensure that through that particular church or fellowship, whatever you call it, that these people got to know God. Are you getting that? There are some of them that they, they have rejected church. They say, I won't go to church again. For one thing or the other, the devil has confused their head, deceived them, and they are in that business environment. So God will put you there, in that place of work. God will put you there so that through you, they can be reached for the kingdom. They can be influenced for the kingdom. So you are actually a territorial personality for kingdom of God in that place. That's how to be a steward. You must be thinking kingdom. If you are not thinking kingdom, you cannot be a kingdom ambassador. You cannot represent the kingdom and you cannot advance the cause of the kingdom. You cannot influence men for the cause of the kingdom that you represent. That's number two. Then number three, you must also learn to battle in prayers against 
principalities and powers in the spiritual realm of that territory that are trying to control, in fact, that are controlling because before you are put there, anywhere you are living now, you started living there one day. Anywhere you are working now, you started working there one day. Before you arrived, there are principalities and powers that are in control, that are in charge, that are manipulating people's destinies, that are even killing people physically, that are introducing sicknesses in the atmosphere, that are manipulating people's mindsets, that are driving people towards a particular kind of behavior and character in that environment. So you that has just arrived as a kingdom diplomat, you are expected to begin to battle and say, no, you principalities and powers. Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers. He has made a publisher of you people triumphing over you by the cross. And so you stand on the finished work of Christ on the cross and begin to dismantle their, you know, their, their, whatever they have set up, they are using to control the environment from the spirit. Any believer that is not carrying out spiritual warfare, territorial spiritual warfare, can never be a kingdom advancement uh, man. You cannot be a good steward of your environment. There is this territorial warfare prayers concerning the place of work where you are working, concerning the place where you are living. If it is the same thing, then you must be in charge. Powers of darkness, whether you know, they are human agents or their spirit agents that have been controlling that place, they will have no freedom anymore. You have to be in charge. You are a manager of that environment, placed there by God. You are placed there as a steward to manage that environment for God and for his kingdom. The other person... God will, will t- say, you, you are living in Ologo Street. I am placing you here as a kingdom ambassador. Ensure that as a steward of, of my, your environment, the powers of darkness are not f- operating here. And then you, I am putting you in a chara layout. That's where you must ensure that no power operates here. Are you getting it? So you, you are there to ensure that the only power that operates, you know, in the Old, Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, before the conquest of the principalities and powers by Jesus at the cross, according to Colossians 2.15, which we know that happened at the cross. Before that happens, these princes, principalities, are very powerful. Eh? They were only destabilized, disarmed at the cross by Jesus' death, according to Colossians 2.15. But in the Old Testament, before the cross, they were very powerful. If you read Daniel chapter 10 verse 12, you see where the angel that came to deliver message to Daniel was telling Daniel that as big as I am, because when Daniel saw him, you know, he, he fell down. It was a terrible sight, very big, huge being. And then the other people that were with Daniel in that place, they were terrified. They ran away. And then he came and woke Daniel up and said, I am an angel that was sent from the first day you began to pray to give you answer to your prayers. I was sent by God. But when I wanted to enter the you know, territory of Persia, eh, the prince of Persia held me hostage. 
He was holding me. He said, I can never enter this territory to deliver a message to you. You know, it was because you continued praying that they now have to know that my message has not been delivered. Because Daniel continued that prayer and fasting for 21 days. It was as he continued praying that heaven were like, but we have sent an answer to this prayer. Why is he still praying? They now discovered that the angel that came to deliver the answer was held bound by a satanic principality. That, that principality said, I am in charge of Persia. You cannot enter Persia and give somebody a message from heaven. It was at that point that, that God has to now release the archangel, the one that fought Satan, you know, and threw Satan down. So that one now came with greater authority and power and disarmed the prince of Persia. And the angel was now able to come. And when he was concluding the, uh, the statement, he told him that as I'm going back, eh, I'm still going to fight with him. And when I finish with him, another one, the prince of Greece, will still come to fight with me. That's how powerful they are. Are you getting it? In the, in, before the, 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 the coming of Christ. That's why Paul was writing in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. He said, finally, brethren, be strong. Spiritual warfare is not, is not an option for any one of us that will be a faithful you know, steward of your territory. It can never be an option. You must stand up in the night, in the day, to battle principalities and powers that are, you know, assigned, operating, at least in your own environment. If you cannot do it for your state, at least do it for the place where you're working. For the place. And then those of us that you are thinking that God is going to use you at the state level or at the national level or international level, you must learn to battle international principalities. You cannot operate internationally successfully if you have not battled international principalities. Of course, they have been conquered, they have been defeated, but you need to you know, enforce the victory of Jesus by the spiritual warfare. We don't, you know, by our own strength, who are we to conquer them? They are stronger than us. But Jesus has conquered them and made us strong. That when we pray and declare words, you know, things happen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wise of the devil. Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Rulers of the darkness of this world. These are invisible beings. These are invisible, invisible spirits that are operating. Demons, evil spirits that, are, that have been deployed to be in charge of locations. They ha- Some of them, you know... They have their meeting places. They have their altars, their thrones, their covens. You are expected to rise up in spiritual warfare to make sure that their, you know, operational places are, are, are rendered inoperative. 
to scatter their meeting points, to you know, fight and make sure that they don't have hold anymore. You know, what we do to Satan is we cast Satan out. We don't kill Satan because spirit doesn't die. Eh? When you say, sometimes you hear people say that spirit should die, 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 die. Spirit does not die. They don't die. The highest that you can do to a spirit is to cast the spirit out. When you cast it out from where you are, it will go to where you are not and settle down. That's the, that's the way they happen. That's why where you are, they are not supposed to be there. You are supposed to cast them out. They are supposed to be somewhere where you are not. And if, that's what, why, why God said to man, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. That is to say, if all of us, if there are believers that has, you know, understood this, what it means to have dominion, how, how, what it means to, 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 to be a, a, a faithful steward of your environmental, you know, um, um, your territory, your environment. You understand your own, you understand your own, and all of us, we are in every street in Enugu, scattered, living. What do you think will happen to every street in Enugu? Eh? They will all be cast out. That's why I say, fill the earth, multiply. Because where Adam is in the garden, Satan is not expected. And Adam was careless for Satan to enter. Because he was meant to keep Satan from entering that. He said, keep it. Keep it from what? Is there another human being that was on the earth that time? Why are you keeping it? Why do we have securities? Is it not to, to keep unnecessary people from entering? People that doesn't have... Are you getting it? When you are entering, they say, no, wait, where is your ID card? They are keeping, they are guarding the, the, the place. So when God says, Adam, keep the garden, keep it. There is no other human being on the earth to keep the garden from. Even if there will be, it will still be his children that will be born in the garden. So that keeping of the garden is to keep the garden from the devil entering. Who knows where he was and the devil entered and engaged his wife in a talk. The first failure of Adam is not eating of the fruit. The first failure of Adam is territorial failure. The territory that God, you know, you know, placed him to guard, he failed to guard it, to keep it from certain satanic oppression. And that was how, you know, he, he fell into temptation. And it's a principle for us. If we fail to carry out territorial stewardship and ensure that, you know, they don't operate, and they have freedom to operate, then they will begin to manipulate. And once they begin to manipulate, you see yourself falling into temptation. It's a principle. And that is one reason why you must be a faithful in territorial stewardship. Because if you are not, you are bound to fail. You wonder why you are struggling with one particular... It may be a, 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 a sin in the atmosphere, which those powers have manipulated, and is affecting and influencing people. Sometimes they will just release lust. Release, they, they can operate in so many dimensions. Now, it will affect you if you are not guarding the territory. Are, are you getting it now? So Adam failed. The first failure of Adam is to keep keeping the garden from Satan to, uh, to enter. So if he has kept the garden, there's no way that, that uh, serpent would have entered and begin to talk to the wife. Meanwhile, where is he? 
when the, ma- the serpent was engaging his wife, he was not faithful. That was why he lost that territory. And many, many of us, that's another consequence. If we don't keep, if you don't keep the territory that God has given to us spiritually, you may lose it. You may even lose your own life because he does not just lost, he lost the territory. He also lost the life of God that God gave to him. He lost, everything was lost because of carelessness in uh, faith, uh, stewardship, territorial stewardship. So we must rise up. Many of us, we are, we are, not, we are just passive about spiritual warfare. We are not doing well. You know, in that dimension, we don't rise up to pray. I, I don't know sometimes why a believer should sleep, you know, in the night. And all through the night, you are sleeping and snoring. I don't, I don't mean that kingdom of darkness only operates in the night. They also operate in the day. But the truth is that, you know, we must be watchmen. We must be spiritual watchmen that must rise up in strategic times. To guard our environment. To guard it spiritually. The devil, are, we are supposed to be headache of Satan. He may say, hey, I want to operate in, in Ologo. I want to catch up with so many people there. I want to manipulate lives. But if not for this, this brother, his prayers, his, his, anytime he begins to pray, we can't even conclude. That's when you are becoming the headache. That's when you are doing your work. That's when you are faithful. That's when you are becoming a faithful steward of your environment. Are you getting it? So, we are supposed to be standing up. The Bible said, a good, Jesus gave a parable of the kingdom. He said, a good man planted a good seed in his vineyard. And then white men are sleeping. The enemy so tasks. So, the enemy can only operate when men are sleeping. So, if there must be a way for men, that's why sometimes we have to engage in shame prayers. Because that man sleeping, you, you may want to interpret that parable spiritually, but me, I also want to take it physical. Eh? That does not mean that we should not sleep, but sometimes we can find a way of saying, you'll be praying while I'm sleeping. So that the enemy will not have a space to come and sow tasks. Are you getting it? Most times it happens when the work of God is going on, there should be a, you know, prayers going on at the same time. Even after the, after the work has taken place, because a good man has finished sowing, and then he left. Then why men that are supposed to be awake, guarding the garden from the enemy, they began to sleep. Who knows whether Adam was sleeping that time? And then the serpent entered and sowed that, and that became the destruction. Prayers. Warfare prayers. You see, there are different kinds of prayers. This one, I'm not talking about supplication. Or this, for territorial stewardship, eh? warfare prayers is needed. Deliberate warfare concerning that school where you are teaching. Concerning that environment of that school where you are teaching. Do you know that there are some small, small children in that school that belong to the kingdom of darkness, even in your class? That if you are not carrying out spiritual warfare in that, they will even come to manipulate you, the teacher. They will begin to manipulate you that is teaching them. So, that is why. You don't just, uh, in the night, you just pray, or in the day, you just pray and say, Father, thank you. I believe you have done. That's good. There should be deliberate 
territorial spiritual warfare that will enable you to be a kingdom you know representative proper steward of the kingdom for that environment so that the kingdom of god and everything sometimes you know because of those manipulations of those people around you you want to you preach the word of god nothing happens you preach to the students for the students to repent and give their life to christ nothing happens why is it not happening because you are not carrying out spiritual warfare over that school are you getting it you are not carrying out spiritual warfare over the school. And because you are not doing that, the agents of darkness in that school, they are doing their own, blocking the heart of the... The Bible said the God of this world has done what? Has blinded the minds of unbelievers. It's, a, it's an ongoing work. It's an ongoing work. They keep on bringing out things that will blind people's mind from seeing the light of the gospel. If they finish with one MMM, they will bring another one. If they finish with that one, they bring from one thing to another. So that, you know, you will not be able to penetrate. Your gospel will not penetrate. So it is not just praying, uh, preaching the gospel to them or trying to. You must carry out territorial spiritual warfare consistently in that place of work. To ensure that powers of darkness and principalities over that school and the powers that the colleagues that are working with you in that place will not, you know, operate and, you know, work against the kingdom advancement work that you are doing. Amen. Amen. Then number four, you must also learn to pray intercessory prayers for the leaders, for those in authority in that territory. If you want to be a good steward, let's say in Enugu City now. Enugu City is made up of three local governments. Enugu North, Enugu East, and Enugu South. Am I correct? Now, we have said that these three local governments, in the spirit realm, they have principalities. Each of them has principalities. That's, as you see the physical government established, that's how also Satan establishes his own, to enable him to be able to control. If your influence, kingdom advancement influence, will affect the whole of Enugu City, where you have three local governments, you must rise you know, to pray for people that are in authority within that area. Apart from battling spiritual warfare over the territory, eh? you know, the one I'm talking about, what we are dealing with, we are even dealing with you as a person, living as a normal Christian. Now, for those of us in the ministry, you want the work, the work of God you are doing, the preaching, the, the ministry you are doing, to be able to touch the territory where you are and go beyond that territory. Then you must also stand up to battle. Are you getting it? To do spiritual warfare over the territories you want to cover. Jesus said that how can you enter into a strong man's house? And spoil his goods. That's Matthew 12. Without first of all binding the strong man. Who is he referring to as the strong man? He is referring to Satan. Satan is not a weak man. He's a strong man, says Jesus. So if you are going to enter into his territory, you have to bind him. The power, the principality that is in charge of that territory. You want to liberate people that are, you know, held bound. Jesus said you must bind that principality. You must bind that powers. 
Because if you don't bind, you won't be able to liberate the subjects that they are manipulating. Are you getting it? But apart from that, when you finish dealing with the spiritual, these principalities, they have a lot of, you know, pointed, deliberate influences on the physical leaders. Those in the polities. Those that are governors, you know, um, the, the chief, the kings. In fact, in the traditional setting, you notice that before somebody will become a traditional ruler, there is a tradi- traditional, cultural, idolatrous processes that they will pass the person through to initiate the person properly under the influence of the powers that are in charge of the town. Am I correct? Yes. Most times what they call Ofala, that is trying to you know, establish the king or whoever, has idolatrous processes. Sacrifices to you know, gods. Idols. So what they are doing there is that they are trying to subject the throne of this particular town. The throne of this particular government to a proper control and manipulation of the gods, of the powers, of the principalities. Eh? Sometime last year, God spoke to me and said, if you want the problem in your family to be solved, then you must pray for the overthrow of the principality that is in charge of the town. He said there is a particular principality in charge of the town. And that principality has been responsible for the problems that are happening in your family. So if you are praying for your family and say, oh God, deliver my family, help my family, without touching the principality that is controlling the town, there's no amount of prayer you will pray concerning your family that will work. That was what he told me. I said, how would we go about it? He said, you must fast for 21 days. Eh? You must fast for 21 days. He said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So stubborn. And the principality he's talking about, he said, is a woman's spirit, not a man's spirit. It's a woman, woman's spirit. You know, those kind of things, they normally use for them to establish that kind of idol or principality and reinforce the work, the power of it over the town. They, they, they will use a woman to make a covenant. If you trace how that spirit came to take over that town, maybe just a woman in the olden days. And you know, that kind of thing will be a repeated thing happening. Demanding a sacrifice of a woman every year. Amen. So these things are real. And we have to go into that 21 days of praying and fasting for the overthrow of that principality. And we came out with victory. Now, that's by the way. But the truth is that apart from the battle, you know, the leaders have to be interceded for. You have to pray for them. That's why First Timothy chapter 2 verse, you know, 1 to 4 talked about intercessory prayers. But particularly for kings. Verse 1 says, I exhort First Timothy 2 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Then verse 2, say, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So, 
that the kings should be supplicated, prayed, and interceded for. Why? If you don't do that, they, they will be manipulated by the powers of darkness. Their hearts will be manipulated by the powers of darkness. But when you pray for them, when you intercede for them, God will be the person that will be directing their hearts. In Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the river of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Now listen, what that verse is telling us is that, you know, when you pray for kings, the hand of God will come upon their heart to turn their heart to do the will of God. But when you don't pray, we have, we have seen, and it is true, anything that is done on the earth happens by men's prayer. When we pray, God acts. When we don't pray, God does not act. So even when you see this scripture, and you say, well, since the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, let him turn it now. No. It is by prayer you will move the hand of God to do what? To be able to turn the heart of the king's to do that which is the will of God. So that's one way we also exert influence. Exert influence on the territory where we are as good stewards by interceding for the leaders, for the kings. Unfortunately for many of us, we criticize them, we don't love them, we speak against them. Sometimes people talk against the leaders, but the truth is that the, the kind of powers, forces, that you know, when somebody is the governor of state or president of a country, now this is a country where you have witches and wizards, you have occultic men and women, you have um, what do you have? All kinds of agents of darkness. People that these are these are not people that are hiding. These are people that have come out and say, "I am from Oboni Fraternity. I'm from this." You know, they are bold. Some years ago, I saw a news. You know, where they said the president, the, the witches and wizards of Solar, they say the president must come to their kingdom and submit himself, otherwise, uh, so and something will happen. They are, they are releasing threats. Now, the truth is that all of these people are under the leadership of the, the, the man. And each of these kingdoms, they are trying to manipulate so that they will have their way. So, if you don't pray for them, even, when, even if the person that is there is a believer, born again, speaking in tongues, Holy Ghost field, if you don't pray for that person, the kind of manipulation, the kind of forces, powers, that we, you know, face them and make them to do what is not right, would be so much. That's why they needed our prayers. That was how Daniel conquered in Babylon. In the time of Daniel, spiritual warfare is not yet established. You can't carry out spiritual warfare in the time of Daniel because on what ground you will fight Satan? How, on what ground will you fight Satan? It is when Jesus conquered Satan. That's why Jesus said Jesus say, from the day of John the Baptist day now, the kingdom of God. So something happened about the kingdom beginning from John. But that become effective for us 
at the cross. Are you getting it? So the only weapon that Daniel had for him to be able to establish territorial you know, stewardship and win in, in, in Babylon was intercession for kings. He didn't even carry out spiritual warfare. Are you getting it? As he kept on praying for the land, for the king, for the people, that intercessory prayers was able to you know, break every hold and then brought God in and the whole thing, the whole territory was taken over for God. Amen. Amen. Then finally, after intercessory prayer, finally, you have to learn also to practically reach out to the individuals, human beings that are in that territory. Practically reach out to them. And there are many ways to do that. The first way to reach out to them is by living the kingdom life. You must live the life that represents the values of the kingdom. Yes. In John chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible said, Jesus said, the Bible said in that uh, verse, he was describing uh, Jesus, describing the life. He said, if you read it from verse 1, he said, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So, the life of God, the life of the kingdom that God has given to us, the life of righteousness, the life of holiness, we must learn to live that life out for people to see. Because if we don't live it out, we can't preach it. Preaching the gospel, preaching the life, is one other way we are going to reach out to people. But first of all, you must learn to live the life. And so, this place said, the life is the light. And you know Jesus was instructing the disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he said, you are the light of the world. Eh? A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. He said, let your light so shine among men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So, Living the correct life in your place of work, in your living place, just living the correct life, you know, is one way of making people to know that, oh, that's a different person in this uh, place. So he's not living like other people are living. Eh? That's a different man. Oh. Other, other men in this place, they go out to drink alcohol and they do all kind of, live all kind of wrong life. But this particular man is different. He doesn't behave like them. He, in fact, do you know that if you begin to live correctly, sometimes you may not tell people that you are a man of God and they will begin to call you a man of God. It has happened to me and it happens to me again and again. Sometimes you see somebody begin to call you a pastor and you have not preached, you have not done anything, you are not holding Bible. There's nothing to show that you are one. But the person, as you are living, people are very observant. They keep on observing the way you do your things. 
the way you respond to things, and that begin to minister to them. That begin to, you know, give them an impression, a sense that there is a different kind of life. That I remember one sister who came uh, to the psychology class, and I was asking her, how did you come to the psychology class? She said, she was observing her roommates. Eh? She just noticed that among all her roommates, there were so many of them in the room, this particular one is different. Her approach to things are different. The way she approaches things, the way she prays, the way she goes about her own business, the thing kept challenging her. And he said one day he has to ask her, you know, question about her life and everything. And she said, that her secret is, is Jesus. Follow me to discipleship. In fact, that, that was how that sister repented. That was how she came to discipleship because she was observing another sister that was living. The sister did not preach to her. So it has happened. It has also happened to me. Somebody said, I want to be like you. I said, be like me. For what? said, I have been observing your life. I was surprised. I've been praying to God that God should make me to be like you. That was my roommate when I was in the university. I said, I was surprised. You know, I've been observing your life and I've been praying that God should make me to be like you. I said, I was asking myself, what is it that I'm doing? That somebody is praying that she be like me. So, our life matters. The kind of life we live is one way. If we are not living correctly, if you are not living holy, righteous life, if you are not living in love, living with kindness, with meekness, the fruit of the Spirit not flowing through us, we may not be faithful uh, stewards as it concerns territorial stewardship. In the place of work, that does not mean that you should start compromising your Christian values or your standard. That does not mean that you have to tell lies for people to like you. Sometimes you have, when you say the truth, people will hate you. For example, in the place of work, if they are writing, telling lies, when they uh, write the time they come to work, they will write wrong time. Now, when you begin to write the correct time, they may start fighting you, hating you, because you'll be an obstacle to them. That one should not bother you. It should not be used because they are, they are doing that to compromise. No, we are not talking about compromising your, your standard. You must keep to your standard of righteousness and holiness. They may hate you for a while, but they themselves, your life will be touching them. Your life will be hitting them. Your life will be preaching to them. Your life will be preaching to them. As a core member, the year I served, a time came when we are six core members living in that particular flat, two per room. You know, a time came when I was coming back, they were just sitting in the balcony. And they stopped me and said, why is it that you have not preached to us? Since we have been living with you in this flat, you have not preached to us. Eh? You want to go to heaven alone. I want all of us to go to heaven. I thought they were joking. So, we fixed the dates for the preaching. I have to agree with you. Say, how we fixed the date? That day I was surprised. We used one of the rooms, one of their rooms as the venue. I was surprised. They didn't just all gather waiting for me. They invited their friends. When I entered the room at the time we were appointed, it was a crowd of people I saw. These are people I was living with in the same year. And you know, sometimes when I finish praying, and when they hear me pray, and I finish praying and I'm coming out, Pastor, you have set a very high standard for us. In fact, it looks as if when they see me, they feel their sin. 
they feel that they are going to hellfire. As if your life is condemning them. Are, are you getting it? By the time, by, you're, you're not preaching, but your life is shining. Something, your life is exposing something about their own life. That's, that's one thing. We must be careful to live right. So that, you know, our life will be a way of influencing men, our colleagues, our people. They, they may not talk to you, but sometimes some of them will open up. But if you ever approach them after you have lived correctly to talk to them about, the, about your faith, they will easily su- su- submit to you. Amen. Again, we have talked about preaching. So preaching is also part of the, that. We cannot, just, uh, we cannot just leave and close our mouth. We also need to preach. If you're a student, you are expected to be preaching to your classmates one-on-one and even before them. Then there could be also other ways of reaching out to them. In the place of work, you can start a fellowship. Yes, if it's not existing before. You can start a prayer. And through that prayer, you will begin to reach out to them, preach to them, and you know, minister to them. When I was the head of department, I established a staff prayer. It was not existing before. I said we must be praying once in a month. Every staff. And, you know, so that through that avenue, we we'll begin to influence the life of the staff. So that's, you know, what practical ways of reaching out to them. You can start discipleship. My former place of work, I have to start discipling, you know, students that are coming to do IT. I establish a discipleship for them. And a good number of them from doing IT, as industrial training in our place, became disciples. Because as they were coming, I was reaching out to them one-on-one. At the time, I have to establish discipleship, 7 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock, one hour before work starts. I'll meet with them. You know, before they finish their IT, they have become disciples. After their IT, they remain disciples. We must find practical ways, as the Spirit of God leads us, for reaching out to people in our living place and in our uh, working place. I believe that if we follow these five uh, ways, we will be faithful stewards of our environment. Once again, God has you know, a, a, a positioned us where we are living and where we are working. If you are not sure that it is God that put you there, ask him so that you will be sure that where you are is where he wants you to be. And then those of us who are yet to settle, be careful to determine that where you are settling is where he has located for you. And once you settle, then you must begin to carry out the rest of the things we have listed so that you can become a faithful steward in territorial stewardship. Rise up and let us pray. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the King. You reign forevermore. Oh, you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the King. 
you reign forevermore. You are, we proclaim, you are, you are, oh, you are, we battle, you are, in my place of work, you are. We battle you are in my territory, Lord. You are Lord, we battle you are. You are the king, you are the king of kings and Lord of Lords. You are the king. The Lord gave me this song in a dream. It was in a dream that He showed me the battles that are going on in my territory. And I was singing that song, this particular song, and I woke up. He said, There is a battle. He said, I am that I am. We carry Him and we, we are to establish Him in our territory. It's a battle to establish Him as the King of Kings. In our territory. That's a battle. We have to battle. We have to be up and doing. We have to be faithful in that stewardship. So as we sing that song again. I want you to you know, get into the, the, the realm of the spirit. Where you are saying to God. Give me grace. To establish you as the king. In my territory. You are oh. You are, we battle, you are, you are, you are, Lord, we battle, you are, you are, you are, we battle, you are, you are, Practical ways of becoming faithful stewards. Can you pray? Pray. 
those of us who are not sure of whether it is God that put you in that garden of Eden, will you pray and say, God, I must ensure that in the garden of Eden where I am living or where I am walking, you are the one that established me there so that I will advance your kingdom. We battle powers. We battle principalities because Jesus has conquered. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, he said, The weapon of our welfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. We battle to unveil the veil, the God of this world has used to cover the eyes of people. Lebo Shanto Kanda Malande Lebo Shanto Kanda Labasa Lende Lebo Shanto Kanda Labasa Pray that it will dawn on you that you are a kingdom diplomat, you are a kingdom ambassador. You are an envoy for the kingdom of God in your place of work, in your place of living. God expects you by your normal life to advance this kingdom among the students. Among the staff in that school, among the colleagues, among the fellow businessmen and women in that place of work, in that place of your business. If you are a craftsman, among your fellow craftsmen, he wants you to establish his kingdom by your work. Can you take take a stand for spiritual warfare? That you will not be casual about it anymore. You will be deliberate. Concerning your territory, you will be deliberate for spiritual warfare. And then you will be reaching out. You will be praying for kings. You will take it upon yourself for the sake of faithfulness. In territorial stewardship. For the sake of faithfulness in territorial stewardship, you will be interceding for leaders, for presidents, for governors, for local government chairmen, so that they will not be influenced to, to do what is wrong. So that they will be influenced by you and by your prayers too. Malebo Shando Kanda Lendelebo Shando Kanda Labasha Lariba Santo Kandelebo Shanda. Can you also commit yourself to be practically reaching out to the people in around you in your territory by your correct kingdom lifestyle, preaching of the gospel, establishing you know home fellowships, work-based fellowships. Discipleships that you can use as an avenue to reach them out and make them kingdom subjects for your king. Pray over these matters. Pray over them. Ask God for grace. Ask God for help. Lendelebo Shando Kandalaba Sunday. Le Riba Shando Kandalaba Sanda. 
Lando Kandalaba Sondo Kandele Boshundi. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He has risen from the dead. He is the Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. And Jesus Christ. The Lord. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. Amen. He has risen from the dead. He's the Lord. Hallelujah. Intercessory prayers to, to, to rule for God in his own territory. How much more we that has both opportunity for intercessory? Daniel doesn't even have the gospel to preach. He couldn't even preach any gospel because there's no gospel there. We have so many things that God has given us. So many things that God has given us. This is a serious challenge. Daniel has few things. And he was faithful enough to maximize them and bring kings to, to, the, to, to, to fall on their faces before him. To cause kings to establish the principles of his God and kingdom over Babylon. And we have spiritual warfare. We have the gospel to China's light. We have intercessory prayers joined. Father, we must not slack anymore. We receive grace. Say, Lord, I receive grace to be faithful in territorial stewardship. I receive grace from you tonight to be faithful steward in territorial stewardship. My territory, I must cover it for you. The devil must be cast out of my territory. Yes, as long as I'm living in this territory, as long as I am walking in this territory, this garden of Eden must be kept. The serpent will not enter there to deceive people while I'm sleeping or while I'm not doing my work of guarding it. I will not be like Adam that fell. He fell to guard the territory and the devil entered to deceive people in the territory. Lord, from now on, 
men will not be deceived anymore by the devil because I will guard this territory. I will guard it for you. I receive grace to preach the gospel in the territory. I receive grace to pray and intercede for men in the territory. I receive grace to pray for kings. I receive grace, oh God, to battle in the spirit and take control of the territory for you. Malebo shaka lebo shaka. Malebo shaka lebo shaka. Ramakula rabasheke lebo shuka lava shaka. Malebo shaka lebo kalebo lebo seke. Rabashaka kaka. Malebo sirima shandarabas. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 said there was a war in heaven. Verse 7 said there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angel fought the dragon and displaced him in heaven. And he was cast down to the earth. And heaven began to rejoice that he has been cast down. And he said, war to the inhabitants of the earth. For he has come against you with wrath. For he knows that his time is short. But we have the blood of Jesus. You see, and they overcame him by the word of their testimony and by the blood of Jesus. Thank God the blood has been shed. Thank God Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers. He has made a publication of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Lebo Shanto Kanda. Ma Lebo Shanto Kanda Labasanda. Mende Lebo Shanto Kanda Labasanda. Will you stand up now in your territory to establish the kingdom of God as a good steward, as a good ambassador, a good manager for God? Every must bow, every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is alone. Every must bow, every tongue must confess Jesus Christ is alone. Hallelujah. Jesus is alone. I establish him. Jesus is alone. In my territory. Jesus is alone. He will rule and reign. Jesus is alone. Hallelujah. Jesus is prayers now against every principality, powers that are operating currently in your territory. Both your living place and your workplace. Can you take authority over and against every principality and power 
that has been having free time. You know, doing meetings, doing their own thing freely in your place of work and in your place of living. Witches and wizards having their meeting on top of your zinc. Can you stand up now and say, no, this cannot happen again? They, they are passing through your territory anyhow. I'm here for the advancement of the kingdom, for the devil to be cast out. All the powers, principalities that are having free course in my territory, in the place of work, in my environment, in the place of living, in my environment, in the place of ministry, by the authority and power in the name of Jesus, I bind you. I destroy your works, you world rulers of this present darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. You have been disarmed. Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers. He has made a commission of you by the cross. Malebo shaka, lebo shaka, lebo shaka. Malebo shaka, lebo shaka. Rabazende lebo shando kande. Lende lebo sondo kanda. Mayanto kanda laba seke lebo shuka laba zondo kanda laba shandelebo zondo lendelebo shando laba sanda mayanto kanda laba zondo laba shanda malendelebo shando kanda laba sanda wenda lebo shondo laba sanda laba shanda wenda lebo shondo kanda laba sanda lebo shondo kanda laba sanda Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we receive grace from you tonight to be faithful stewards of our territories. The garden of Eden that you have put us into. We are sorry for not uh, doing well before now. We are not doing well. That's why the devil even come in to deceive us. Like Adam of old, who did not guard the garden, and set and entered, deceived his wife and deceived him. Many of us are fallen victims. We are sorry. From now as you have opened our eyes to territorial stewardship, grant us the grace to be faithful in practicing territorial stewardship in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that when you will call us to give account of our stewardship, as it regards to our environment, we'll be able to say yes of, of the truth. We are spiritual men controlling the environment from the spirit realm. And what we say in the spirit happens in the physical. We stopped death from taking place. Amen. We stopped evil from taking place. Amen. Mindset of people we are changing the spiritual realm. Amen. And they were controlled from the spirit. Amen. Because we are in charge. May we all be in charge, Lord. Amen. Thank you for this message. Can you say, Father, I'm, I'm happy for this message. Thank you. Help me, Lord. I am going to practice it for now. May your name be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our website, www.calvaryonline.org. For testimonies, counseling, and prayers, you can send an email to calvaryrevivallabels at gmail.com or call 080-6560-7999. You could also follow us on all our social media platforms at Calvary Revival Labels.